today on It's Time. You don't add Jesus to your goals. This is the flawed gospel that is being preached in America and around the world today. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. abandon God's principles. Listen, the needs of human beings has not changed, whether it was Adam and Eve in the garden, this written in 60 AD, or the way we're all living today, our needs are the same. We need to be loved. We need to have a purpose for living. We need a self we can live with. We need a reason we can live for. We need a faith we can live by. And if those things are absent in our life, we then are prey for the bewares. Let's look at this. Verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. <laughs> now, this is interesting. He's addressing Christians that would be in church, and he's saying, Beware of those who would bring philosophy into the church. Now, the word in the Greek for cheat you if you like to make notes, is the word kidnap. I think that's weird. Beware that anyone would kidnap you through philosophy and empty deceit. Wow. Now, again, philosophy. At one time, philosophy meant love of knowledge. But philosophy all of a sudden changed and became the God of knowledge. And so we find today even people, as they were in Paul's day, who were admonishing knowledge more than the one who gave it. That's always going to create an issue. And he said, empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, again... According to the basic principles of the world. That means taking what God has in his word, abandoning it, and then integrating into the church instead of God's purity, integrating into the church the philosophies of the world. Now it's interesting that the Bible says in the last days, in Timothy, says that they will heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. Why? Because they no longer want to go along with the truth. What's wrong with that picture? It's because I want a philosophy or a faith or a religion that placates to my selfish nature. You know something you'll find? The two aren't mixable. Because here's why. Now you say, well, look, if we 
if we then follow after God, we follow after, who's going to then take care of us if I'm, me, not watching out for number one? God does. God does. He's the one that takes care of us, whereby we cry, Daddy, Abba, Father. So, so here's the thing. When you become a Christian, you cease to be one that is only out for yourself. And now you're out for the kingdom of God, in which now where you used to always have to make all your own decisions, lack of prayer. Now as a child of God, I can say, Daddy, is this the best for me? Is this the direction you want me to go? Should I sell my house? Should I move to Kansas? I don't know why. Should I move to Kansas? Should I do this? Should I do that? I can pray. And God who hears you will open and close the doors according to the best for you as he's ordained. Now that's friends. That's why we're here on this earth. In other words, if I'm directly placed on this earth to be about my father's business, and then I have no directive of the father, what kind of a rotten cheat is that? But that's not the way God works. He puts you on this earth for a reason. We accept him as savior. Now we have the phone, the connection reestablished. And now God guides us through this life. Now, how does he do that? Well, he calls me on the phone every morning and gives me the marching orders of the day. I wish he did that. I've often said, boy, sometimes I would just love to have a one minute cell phone call with God. I don't know if anybody else has ever thought of that, but I have. But God actually says, I got more for you than just that. Not just a one minute call. I've got a daily basis with you to open and close doors. Now, again, if you're a child of God here this morning, if you're not a child of God here this morning, this is not for you, okay? I don't think I've ever really had a message like that. A message for non-Christians. Everybody always has a message for the non-Christian. This is a message for Christians. If you're a child of God, God controls or wants to control the circumstances in your life. Isn't that good? So I pray. And I say, well, God, do you want me to do this? Or do you want me to do that? And God closes the door. Then I complain. I really wanted to go there. I really did want to go there. And I begin to complain. And God says, you asked me. I closed the door. Shut up. Okay. Why? Because God's going to open another door. For any of you that God has ever closed the door, as a child of God, he's got another door he's going to open for you because he's got the best for you. Now again, I am not on this earth, you are not on this earth, Christian or not, for your own pleasure. You are here, divinely created, for his pleasure, and the Bible says, for his joy. But you say, well, I'm not a Christian. I, 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 I do my own thing. No, you don't. You're doing the calling of this world. That's why your life doesn't work. I can tell you that right now. Anybody that's not a Christian, I can tell them two things. One, you're not happy. And two, your life doesn't work. Why? Because you have not attained to the full reason you were placed on this earth. And number two, 
You serve yourself. Selfishness never brings about any peace in your life. Doesn't bring any joy. That's why you find multimillionaires. Look, look at the Hollywood movie stars that live in these mansions. Hanging themselves, blowing their brains out. Why? They're not happy. And I look at that and I go, if money could buy the happiness that they want, surely they would have it. But they don't. Because there's something inside that's wrong. And so, he says, Beware lest anyone would cheat you through philosophy. Now again, this is speaking of what goes on in the church, friends. This is what people are being taught. Now unfortunately, it's being taught today. And yeah, they'll cloak it with a few Jesus words and a few God words and occasionally even a fragment or a piece of a verse, but this is what it's saying. Philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Wow. So it has a form of godliness, but there's no power. Now the Bible tells us here in verse 9, a very important word. And again, this is one of the reasons why he was addressing Gnosticism is because because God was unknowable. Uh, he may occasionally uh, 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 become active in the affairs of people on the earth, but you can't really count on that. He fixes that. Four, verse nine. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. These religions that are around today that say Jesus isn't God, or they'll say there's nowhere in the Bible that says that Jesus is God, I don't know what they're reading. It simply speaks of their, their, their ignorance of Scripture. Notice again, for in him dwells the fullness. You know what fullness means? Fullness. Of the Godhead bodily. In other words, everything that God is, the Father is, dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. You know, that's what was lost in the garden. Man would, God would come and walk with man in the cool of the evening. And then Adam and Eve rebelled, ate of the tree. God said, don't eat of it. I had people say things like, well, what kind of a good God would put a bad tree in the Garden of Eden? Well, it only said it was bad for man. It didn't say it was bad for animals. I imagine animals could eat of whatever fruit it was. Doesn't say it was an apple, by the way. Whatever fruit it was, I, animals could probably eat of it all day long. But God said, don't you guys eat of it. It ain't good for you. Don't you do that. And we remember Satan takes on a form of whatever this was. They always got, you know, again, when you, when, you, when you know the Bible, you really realize how goofed up a lot of our art is. And they've always got this slithery snake talking to Eve. As God said, let me tell you something. It wasn't a snake talking to Eve. The word there is the word dragon in the original Hebrew language. I don't know what it was. Maybe it looked like one of those mystical things that float down the street on a Chinese New Year with lights all, you know, luminaries, lights all over it. It was cursed to the ground 
after God caught up with Adam and Eve and the serpent. So it wasn't a snake. It was probably something really amazing looking. Whoa, don't see that every day. Because I'll tell you something, I, I don't like creepy things. I don't like snakes. I don't like spiders. Spider hang out of a tree and start talking to me, I'd run the other way. Snakes talk, talk to me out of a tree, I'd run the other way. But something, imagine, kind of floating in the air, colored, covered with lights, and all of a sudden starts talking to Eve. Hath God said not to eat of the tree? He just don't want you to be as smart as he is. Why, you eat of the tree, you'll become a god yourself. Well, we remember what happened. It was according to the rudiments of the world. Fellowship was broken with God. God no longer walked with man in the cool of the evening. And from that time to the time of Jesus Christ... That was missing. And then when Jesus came, once again, man's relationship with God was restored. That's why it's important that you have a relationship with God. Why is, why is having a relationship with God so important? Because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the source of all knowledge, and he's going to tell you what you need to do to be complete. But I can't listen to God's message if I'm too busy doing my own thing. That's where repentance comes in. It isn't me talking God into my thing. Okay, God, you know, I got this really cool plan. Now, if you'll get on board with me, I'll make a co-owner. No, 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 no. I often wondered about that. Jesus goes to the disciples after he'd rose from the dead. They'd fished all night. And Jesus calls out to him. The sun's just coming up. I could see it. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. I could just see it. And Jesus, children, have you caught anything? No, we fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus said, you're fishing off the wrong side of your boat. Cast your net on the other side. Now, now friends, you've got to remember, trained fishermen... What difference does it make what side of the boat you fish on? I've used this as an illustration. It's like, you know, hunting season's coming up. Everybody's getting where the big buck is going to be. I, you know, I got the moose. I got this. I got that. I got it all staked out. And you come in, you know, they come in with a cup of coffee in the morning and you say, did you get your elk? And they go, no, no, hunted all night, got nothing. Well, your problem, pal, is you're using the wrong end of the gun. Well, fishing off the wrong side of your boat. And we remember that they did what Jesus said, and they pulled in such a load of fish, they couldn't contain it all. And they got it to the shore. And we remember Peter. He said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I, I really believe that was the first time that Jesus told him to let down the nets. And he did it a second time as well. But what I think is amazing in that story is Peter's response was not of that of, oh, I'm such an obedient person to listen to what you've got to say. I think Peter let the nets down in mockery of what Jesus said. We're fishermen. You're a rabbi. <laughs> okay, 
Let's humor him. Okay, other side of the net. And all of a sudden, whoa, what's going on here? Because Peter's response was wrong. If in the case that he let the net down because he was a true believer, the true believer would have said, wow, Lord, just as you said. That is what Peter said. Peter said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Which would say that the way he let that net down was not because he was believing what Jesus was saying, but because he was not believing what he was saying. Otherwise, his heart would have been, well, hey, how about you and me starting a little fishing company? Jesus and Peter fishing company. That sounds really good. Jesus looks at him and says, from now on, Peter, you're going to be catching men. Why is that important? When you accept Christ as your Savior, you abandon your goals. You don't add Jesus to your goals. This is the flawed gospel that is being preached in America and around the world today. Just put Jesus in your pocket and climb to the top. The true gospel is, God, I abandon my goals. From now on, I want to be about your business. And Jesus said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. You see, God's got a better plan. But if the communication line is broken, I can't receive what I need to hear to know how to fulfill my life. And so therefore, I'll run to my friends and to Ann Landers and to any other source of information, Jerry Springer, to some way find my purpose for life. And farther and farther, every day we go down the wrong road. But when we come to Christ, we say, okay, Lord, no longer I, but you live within me. Now God says, now we can talk. This is what I want you to do. And now we find something really amazing. As the Apostle Paul, as we talked about this before, in prison, writing many of these letters that we read, as such as Philippians, he says, the joy that I have. Well, how can you have joy in prison? Because he knew he was where God wanted him to be. Rather than where I want to be, and oftentimes you'll find this in your life, you can be where you want to be and still be empty inside. That's what the gospel is. Being about our Father's business. See, that's what repentance is. And what we repent from is doing our thing, defining life my way. I feel bad for Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You should have done it God's way. Big difference. So, the question this morning is, do you want to do it God's way, or do you want to do it man's way? Notice verse 10, and we'll close here. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. You finally made it home. You're at the source of all energy. I like that. What's interesting, here's the word complete in the original language, means packed full. You're packed full with Jesus. I like that. And then he also says, who is the head? Notice, not the tail. He's the head. He's the reason we do what we do. It isn't that, well, I accept Jesus, but I'm still the head. I'm still telling God what to do. No, he's the head of all principality and power. Cults say you're not. 
You see, you got to get into their formula. You got to get into their rituals. You got to give your money. You got to, again, sow your seed faith. You got to, all this stuff. No, the Bible simply says, in him, Luke tells us in the book of Acts, we live, move, exist, and have our being. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you need to be. Because God's calling you, but your line is off the hook. God gets a busy signal. Yeah, we're busy, busy doing our own things. Well, God, I'm busy doing my business. God goes, it's monkey business. You need to be about your dad's business. Your dad's business is going to mean something in eternity rather than nothing. I use this illustration almost every sermon. It's because of the impact it made to me. As I went to a yard sale one time, and as I looked at all their junk, and at the very bottom, underneath a table, almost out of sight, anything in the box, a quarter. And here were four or five trophies in that box. Somebody who had spent many years training and running and whatever to win this trophy, only to have it sold to someone who really didn't care for a quarter. I would think and hope that at the end of your life, God would say, there is priceless what you've done for me. Your accomplishments are not worth a quarter in a box to a bunch of people that don't even know you, but that your life means something to you. You ever notice that sometimes? Have you ever noticed, go to, if you're a junker, you go to a yard sale, secondhand store, you can buy just about any trophy in the place. For a quarter. Once meant so much to somebody. Now doesn't mean anything to anyone. Your life's worth more than that. Listen to God. Let him tell you what to do. You'll be blessed. This morning we have communion. This is a very unusual thing. And I, I, I was raised in church. I understood the cup. The bread was something was a little more obscure for me. But then the more I read the Bible and started putting together the hidden treasures of God's word, Peter says, by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus held up the bread and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I realized something, that God not only wants to remind me that my sins are forgiven, I am found in him. I have died and resurrected with him, but God has provided a way for me to be healed. Somebody would say, well, Mike, I'm feeling fine. Well, it's not necessarily talking only about your physical body, though it can. It's talking about your memories, your ability to love, your ability to be loved. When you lay your head down on your pillow at night and at three in the morning, all those thoughts go through your head. You need to be healed. We're a complex being, amazingly complex. Again, as we shared earlier, you can have all the money in the world. You can have perfect health and blow your brains out with a gun. Why? We're complex. So what does that tell me? That tells me that I need to be forgiven and I need to be healed. God provided in the bread a way that we can be healed. You need to be healed this morning. The way to love, to be loved, your memories, your thoughts, your thought processes, how you come to the conclusions you come to. We need to be healed this morning as we have communion. I want you to just let God touch you this morning. But before we do that, for anybody that might be in this room that's not born again, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. Then communion means something. If you're not a Christian, communion's meaningless. 
Why? Because I, I'm saying, oh, I recognize the blood of Jesus for somebody else. And this healing, oh, that's nice for somebody else. No, it's for you. It's for me. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of living life my way. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. Write my name in your book of life that I can live with you forever. Make my life mean something on this earth, pleasing to you. And from this day forward, I want to walk in your love. Speak to me, direct me, open, close the doors so I'll be where you want me to be. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to be about your business. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.